Lord God, we thank you that you're good and you're faithful. And when we make ourselves available, you can do awesome stuff. And so, Lord, we thank you for the word on Marty's heart this morning. And, um, Lord, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for more. And um, so, Lord, um, I I believe that you're going to feed my heart today by your word, um, by your spirit, and through what Marty brings to us. So, um, Lord, we just thank you for him. We thank you for the word in his heart, and we um, position ourselves to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Andrew. How is everyone? Good. Have you ever wanted to help someone? Stop, do something, to stop, do something dumb, and you don't know what to do? Yeah, all the time. We don't know what to do. So today, I want to, um, I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit can help us do that. And the seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit that we function in. So today I want to talk about the seven spirits of God. And I don't want to confuse you, this is the Holy Spirit. So if we can get Revelation 4-5 up. So John's having a vision of heaven. And this is one of the things he sees. And from the throne proceeded, proceeded lightning, thunders and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning around the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So what are the seven spirits of God? If we can get Isaiah 11, 1, 3 up. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From the roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. So I just want to walk through these. If you can just leave that up for me. Just want to walk through these just just quickly, okay? Um, and then we're going to get to a passage that um, been Bible studying for about a month now, and we're going to squeeze it down, and um, we're going to meet Abigail. The Spirit of the Lord. What's the Spirit of the Lord? The power to go out. That's what is meant by the Spirit of the Lord. Okay, it says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere. That's the Spirit of the Lord. Wisdom, let's have a quick look at wisdom. James 3.15, this is, ouch, this. Man's wisdom, earthly, unspiritual, devilish wisdom. Is that my ego talking to me? Is that my wisdom? Godly wisdom is spiritual wisdom. It comes from him. We need to know his love, mercy, goodness to truly understand his wisdom, spiritual wisdom. So we need to read the word. We get to know his character. And then in situations, we can hear his voice. You can hear him speak to us because we know who he is. We know how good he is. Understanding, the ability to translate the facts with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. 
seeing a situation through spiritual eyes and hearing conclusions through what God is saying. Counsel. We have many types of counsel, don't we? We can get counsel from opinions. We can get counsel from gossip. We can get counsel from Facebook. We can get counsel from our own thoughts. There's a scary one, especially for me. If I take counsel from my own thoughts, then uh, it never, never looks good. So, heavenly counsel comes from a relationship with prayer where we intentionally listen to God's voice. Something I forget to do all the time. Might. The term might used in this verse is a derivative from the Hebrew word gibor, which means champion, strong, mighty, he who excels. Knowledge. 2 Peter 1.3, God's divine power has granted all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Literally, all the power available from God to live a godly life starts with knowledge. In other words, the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Thank you, serenity prayer. I don't say it enough. Here's the big one, guys. Fear of the Lord. Our fear of the Lord is based on our knowledge of his love, mercy and goodness. It's unwavering belief and total trust. You know what it is? It's an abnormal reverence. It's abnormal. When you're in the fear of the Lord... You will do things for other people and you won't seem normal. When the fear of the Lord's on you, you won't seem normal to other people. Best example is David going down to fight Goliath. That's not, that's not normal. And we're going to, um, I'm going to push this text today. The only person I've seen with all these spirits on them all at once is Jesus. But I found another one in Abigail today. And you can challenge me on this, but I think once we go through this and I show you this, this awesome woman of God has got all this on her at once so let's jump let's jump into it I don't want to put you to sleep so if we get um if we get the first verse of Samuel up please okay so the key to this I'm gonna I'm gonna do the beginning and then the end of this this chapter I can't go through the whole chapter I'd love to he's been sitting here for hours okay Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him, and buried him at his home in Ramah, and David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Okay, let me give you a picture here. Who's Samuel? Samuel. Samuel is David's prophet. He's the one that anointed him as king. Now he's died. Now literally, David's gone into the wilderness, okay? Not just physically, but in his mind. The one man who can confirm who he is, who his identity is, has just died. He's prophet. Okay, so now everyone's asking questions. Is he the king? Is this true? He's asking himself, is this true? My prophet's dead. Okay, so here's, here's the picture. So he goes into the wilderness. 
I'm going to skip through this chapter really quick for you and just give you a picture. He's in the wilderness. He starts looking after this guy, really rich man, Nabal, who's a Calebite. Starts looking after his sheep. He's really, really wealthy. Thousands of sheep, okay? David and his army, he's got 600 people, right? 600 men behind him. They're looking after Nabal's sheep and his shepherds. They're fighting off Philistine raids, Amorite raids. He's taking care of this guy's sheep and they've taken nothing. They've taken nothing of what this guy owns, okay? So feast time comes and he walks in. Um, Feast time comes and David sends messengers to Nabal and he says to him, can we have some of your sheep? been looking after you, been doing really good things for you, it's feast time, can we have a gift, please? Nabal rejects David, doesn't just reject him from giving him some food, he rejects who he is, he knows exactly who he is, he's like, who's David? Who's the son of Jesse? I don't know you, he knows exactly, everyone knows who David is, okay? So the messages come back, they tell David, And David overreacts. He says to 400 of the men, strap on your swords. He straps on his sword with the intention of chopping off heads. That's how angry he is. You've rejected me. Remember, he's in the wilderness. Okay? He's already in the wilderness. He's already upset. And he just totally overreacts like we do when we get upset when we get rejected okay so the servants go back and they speak to Abigail and they say to Abigail and it says this woman was beautiful this is Nabal's wife this woman's beautiful she has great understanding they go back and they they tell them the story David and his men were looking after us he's gone to our Master Nabal, he's rejected him because the bloke's a scoundrel, right? What do, what do we do, okay? If we can um, quickly skip to the next, the next one. So Abigail makes haste. She basically, there's the wisdom straight up. She makes haste, okay, and... She loads all these donkeys full of food, doesn't tell Nabal and quickly rushes with her servants down to David to come and, meet, and come and meet the army. Have we got the next one, guys? Now when Abigail saw David. Oh, okay, no worries. So this is, this is what happens when Abigail meets David. Now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell to her face before David and bowed down to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me, Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. There's the fear of the Lord right there. Why? Because she's basically taking responsibility for a husband, right, who's a scoundrel, and she falls to his feet in front of an angry man who's got an army behind him and he could quite easily just chop the head off and kept walking. And she falls down. This doesn't seem normal, right? The fear of the Lord is on her. 
And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as he is, uh, um, for as his name is, so is he. So Nabal's name, Nabal actually means fool. I don't know if his parents named him that or it's a, a name he earned, but um, Nabal means fool. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of the Lord whom you sent. And therefore, my Lord, as the Lord shall live, so shall your soul live. And since the Lord has held back, I love this. Okay, this is, she's prophesying to him, right? She's not asking him, please don't do this, right? She prophesies to him and, and says this, since the Lord has held back, from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand. Now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm on my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to you, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. So she brings down all these donkeys of food, right? I need to point this out. She doesn't offer it to David because that will seem like a bribe. She offers it to the men, right? So she's on her knees in front of him, speaking to him, putting him back in his identity, giving him back his identity. So she's replacing Samuel, right? This woman's a prophet. She's a seer. She can see this. She's got all these spirits on her. She's got... The Spirit of the Lord, she's got the power to go out. She's got wisdom, understanding, counsel. She's counselling David right now from heaven. She's got might. She's excelling. She's got the knowledge and she's got the fear of the Lord on her. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't find anyone else in the Bible with all this stuff on them. I probably will if I keep studying, eh? I probably will. Okay. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout all your days. She's still prophesying. She's saying who he is. Well, who Samuel said she was, um, who Samuel said he was, she's now repeating it. He's just been in rejection. God hasn't left him in the wilderness. He sent another prophet to speak life. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. So Saul's after David at this point. King Saul's chasing David. She acknowledges that. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in a bundle of the living with the Lord your God and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from a pocket of, your, as from a, pocket of a sling. She knows who he is. She knows about Goliath. She's speaking back to him. This is, this is you. These are the things that you have done. You're on a, you're on a good road. You're on a good journey, you know.
And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all good that he has spoken concerning you and that has appointed you ruler over Israel. Here he is in the wilderness. Am I the ruler? Am I going to be the ruler of Israel? He just needs a reminder. He just needs a reminder so he doesn't kill innocent blood. That this will no longer grieve you nor offence of your heart to my Lord. So basically what she's saying to him is this offence won't harm you. It won't grieve you as soon as you remember who you are, as soon as you're back in your identity with God. It won't hurt you. Okay, so I'm going to skip through some other stuff quickly. So basically what happens is David says, thank you for this. He takes her gifts. He says, thank you for helping me realise. He blesses her. She goes back. Nabal's drunk, having a, having a feast of a king. And Abigail doesn't speak to him till morning. There's more wisdom. Okay. She waits till morning to, till the grog's out of him. And then she speaks to him. And it, the, the scripture says that he hardens his heart. Where have we heard that before? He hardens his heart. Long story short, 10 days later, he dies. David hears about this. So he sends messengers. Um, this is pretty old school. He sends his servants and says, hey, go ask Abigail to be my wife, will you? <laughs> So they go and speak to Abigail. Abigail says yes, and this is what she says. Then she arose, bowed down her face to the earth and said, here is your maidservant to wash the feet of, your ser- to the, of the servants of my Lord. So Abigail arose in haste, rode a donkey, attended by five of her maidservants and sh- and and followed the messages of David and became her wife. David's in the wilderness. He just lost his prophet. God's given him an Abigail. Now he's got a prophet as a wife to speak life into him, to bring him back into who he is. So every time David gets the poops and loses the side of what he's doing and the direction he's going he's got a beautiful wife beside him he had many beautiful wives but there's another study right there okay so what's the point of all this what am I trying to get at I know I'm really really weak without the Holy Spirit it's important for me to understand how these spirits work that I can discern them that I can discern it when I'm not being wise when I actually don't have the knowledge and I'm making decisions based on my un- my understanding it's a relationship if I want to if I want to function 
in these spirits, if I want to function in the Holy Spirit, I need to be well aware that my prayer life, my Bible study, my connection with people in the church who are ministering to me, ministering life to me, needs to be top-notch. I need to put in that effort and turn up and listen to wise counsel. And when I don't, I'm just running on Marty. And that's ugly. That's really, really ugly. I love it at the end how Abigail says, here I am to wash the feet. This is the last thing that Jesus did for his disciples. He says to uh, Peter, says, no, no, no. I wash your feet, you don't wash mine. He says, Peter, if, you, if you, I don't wash your feet, you'll have nothing to do with me. What's he, what's he actually saying there? He's saying, if, I don't, if you don't let me tickle your feet, you can leave the room. He's saying, this is how important it is. And he tells them to do it for one another. I heard a story this week and I've confirmed it. Um, Mavis is to wash the feet of the ladies in the craft and I just went wow how good is that how good is that the washing of the feet is a metaphor it's a metaphor for us of bringing each other back into the spirit okay when we're doing these ones I think one of the hardest things in the Christian walk is handing over our emotions I think it's one of the hardest things and if I can't do it without ministry, I need people to minister to me. Everyone's a minister. Everyone can encourage. Everyone can go, that's not who you are. This is discipleship. I've got a real strong feeling at the moment that we're going to move into a season in this church of discipleship. And we're going to disciple one another. We're going to encourage one another. And we're going to bring each other back into the spirit where we belong. Because you know what? The wilderness ain't good. My ego ain't good. Sitting in my head, it's not good. It's not good. And I need you people. Sandy did it when she, she walked in this morning. I don't know if she saw the anxiety on me because I was preaching. But she just walked up to me and went, you've got this. And guess what? I just went, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. You know, Simon, Simon came in and prayed, prayed with me this morning. He said, I'm sitting in that room, I'm going over my sermon. Right, I get it together, Marty. Simon pokes his head in, he goes, I'll just make a quick cuppa and then I'll come and pray with you. And I had to write this down. Like he's, he's drinking out of a cup facing, and the cup's facing me. It's, it's 1 Samuel 18, 3. It says, a good friend is a blessing from God. And I just went, wow. You know what I mean? I love, I love these moments. So as I call the band back up, I um, just want to reiterate how important it is to have godly friends and to listen to them and understand that in his word we get to know his character and then we can hear his voice properly in certain situations. And discern the spirits of what's going on. We should be able to discern pretty quick. This is me or this is God. This is the enemy. Right? 
this isn't true because we understand his love, his goodness and his mercy. And you say, this is not from God. This ain't good. You know? So what I've done um, is I've set up some bowls here. I'm not going to get used to kick your, your shoes off and watch it, wash each other's feet. But the bowls are here to wash each other's hands. Okay? As a symbol that we're going to come into this season and help one another and wash one another. So if you feel led, come up, have someone wash your hands and dry them for you. And this is the big part too. When Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, he dried them off. He dried them off with a towel that was connected to him. Okay? Because if we go out with wet feet, we're going to collect more dust. You can't walk out into this world and not collect stuff. You can't not collect dirt. And it's up to us to minister to one another and wash that stuff off. So as a symbol today, if you feel led, come up, wash someone's hands. Have them wash your hands. Okay? And let's get into it. Let's get into the spirit. Let's get into this season. Let's enter into this season. Amen. Amen.